Welcome to a new season of the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey, and I'm excited to begin season seven with you. And this year, we're going to be exploring topics that will position you to explore the different dimensions of you to prepare for your transition to retirement, thinking of it as graduating from one life and getting ready to move into the next. And we'll take a look at courses that you'd consider to be electives, things that could be really meaningful, like continued work or projects, creative pursuits, and service to others. But we'll start with exploring core courses, things that really provide the foundation for a great retirement. And these include lifelong learning, the quality of your relationships, the degree that you're having fun and including play in your plans. And then last but certainly not least, and where we'll begin today, wellness. We all know that's the most important one because without it, the others really don't matter as much. And if there was any doubt about that, I was reminded because I'm recording this episode and this conversation today on day five of COVID, which hit me on New Year's Day. I've avoided it for three plus years, but it did, as you might expect, finally catch up with me. My guest today is Elizabeth Sherman. She's a master certified life and health coach and host of the Total Health and Midlife podcast. Drawing from over 17 years in the field, a personal health journey that began with the desire to reduce her own health risks, Elizabeth offers a deeply empathetic and knowledgeable approach to her work, helping others invest in their health. In addition to her life and health coach certifications, she also holds multiple additional certifications, including as a certified nutrition coach, certified personal trainer, and several others that you can see on her website. But the short of it is she knows her stuff from both a professional and personal point of view. While Elizabeth specialized in women's wellness and midlife, today's conversation with her will focus on what we can all learn about investing in our health before and during retirement. Elizabeth grew up in the U.S., but joins us today from Mexico, where she lives as an expat. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. I'm really super excited about our conversation today. Same here. And I'd like to start with your own personal transformation. We're in January, so transformation is top of mind for many people. Tell us about the transformation you made many years ago. Yeah. So my transformation or my journey actually started in 2001. And it actually started with my mom passing away from breast cancer, which is kind of a a bad way to start this, but it is the truth. And what happened is I could see very directly that at the age of 33, that if I continued what I was doing in terms of my lifestyle habits, that that was going to be my future. And so it scared me enough. She was 65 years old, 63 actually. And it scared me enough that I was like, I do not want that. So how do I not let that happen? And I remember sitting at home afterwards and Googling, how do I not get breast cancer? Because watching her body deteriorate and her spirit deteriorate and just her fight for life, it really scared me enough that I didn't want that for myself. So I was Googling, how do I not get breast cancer? And I found out, I had no idea that lifestyle habits are a huge risk factor for not only cancer, but also 
diabetes and heart disease and all of these other maladies, right? And so that was my turning point. And I would love to say, this is the part where I say to everyone, I would love to say that that was enough of a scare that I immediately changed my life and that I immediately like became this healthy person, but it didn't. I went through years of dieting and trying different programs and trying to find that magic pill that would immediately make the difference that would suddenly make me thin because that's what I was after at the time without me having to put in a lot of effort. So make me thin, but I could still eat like a 12-year-old boy, right? That's what we all want. (laughs) That captures it. That's a great way to put it. We can all relate to. And, but you made some investments in doing some things differently. And we're at the beginning of the year and transformation is top of mind, but so are investments. And I'd be interested to see if you'd be willing to share an investment recommendation. Tell us about the other investment for retirement that people could make besides their 401k or IRA that can make a really big difference in their retirement. Well, so since we're talking about health, I think that when we think about investing in our health, We see it actually as an expense. We don't see it as an investment because typically when we're looking at diets or workout programs or things like that, they're really short-term solutions. And what I want to do is I want to reframe that. I want to change the narrative around our health so that we're thinking about how do I invest in my health Because when we really think about it, when we're thinking about retirement, when we're thinking about financial freedom in our retirement, we don't want to be spending money on medication. We don't want to be spending time going to the doctor. We don't want to be spending money on insurance premiums. And so taking care of your health today is one of the best investments that you can make Because we really don't know when, I mean, because when we look at our financial investments, we want our financial investments to last just as long as our life does, right? And we don't know when that's going to end. Many of us have been brought up to believe that taking care of your health will help you to live longer. And that's actually not true. Taking care of your health helps you to live more independently and to live better as you age. And so if you can live and not need medications and live independently in your home right now versus going into some sort of assisted living facility, that's all going to save you money. And so taking care of your health today is one of the best investments that you can make in your future, especially in retirement. It's a great point because there's a lot written about longevity. You need to really be focused on how long we'll live, but there's also the concept of health span, the quality of those years. And you make a compelling argument. And I know many of our listeners are now thinking, okay, I'm sold. I get it. I need to invest, but what should I do? So what are the key things that you think people can do that'll prepare their bodies and their health for life and retirement? Well, so first of all, I think that we make health way more confusing and complicated 
than it needs to be. Like when I think about New Year's resolutions, when I hear about people, well, even within my practice, so people come to me and they're like, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do all these things. I have this free resource. It's called the eight basic habits that healthy people do. And when people start with me, they want to do all of the habits. And we don't have to do all of the habits all at once. If we try to do all of the habits all at once, what happens is we get overwhelmed, we get confused, and we end up not doing any of it. And so what I recommend is that we start small. So here's the thing. Often our brain is going to tell us that's not enough. So for my clients who, for example, are trying to start exercising, we think, especially at the new year, that if we need to, or if we want to exercise five days a week and our normal like rule is to exercise for an hour a day. You do not have to exercise for an hour a day. You can start exercising, go for a walk for 15 minutes, go for a walk for five minutes and do that for a while. Now, here's why this works. It works because it creates the habit of, or the skill rather, of self-trust. Many of us, when we start a commitment to our health, there's something in the back of our heads that's like, yeah, but are you going to keep doing this? You've never been able to do it before. That little mean girl or inner critic in our, inside of our heads, it's like full of self-doubt. You've done this X number of years now. This isn't going to work. Okay. So what I like to do is I like to start with five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever is like a no-brainer for you. So the reason that we do this is so that we start with creating this skill of self-trust, which is making a commitment to yourself and then following through. And then as you are able to do that longer and longer and longer, you can start adding to it. So adding five minutes every day or three times a week. The idea is just to make it routine and part of your lifestyle. And then as that becomes manageable, then you can start adding more habits. I like to work on the idea of what's called displacement, which means the idea of adding things to your diet, adding things to your day so that you crowd out the things that you don't want. So instead of saying, I'm not going to eat sugar anymore, say, I want to eat three servings of vegetables a day or four servings of vegetables a day. And what happens then is then we're not as hungry for the sweets and the breads and the things like that, that we know that we shouldn't be having as much of. That's a great idea. In our house, my wife encourages me to apply that concept to blue sweaters like I'm wearing today, of which she counts how many blue sweaters I have. So if one new one comes in, two must go out. But I love the way you put it. it really crowds out, doesn't leave space for things that aren't in our best interest and aren't healthy as well. So, and starting small is so key. There's so many examples of that. It's a very wise move to start small. But I'm also curious about, in addition to habits, people start the year, not only with resolutions, we know the stats on those, but with goals. And since we're in January, how should people think about setting realistic, but meaningful goals about their health? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And one of the questions that I get a lot is, 
you hear about audacious goals or impossible goals, like create a goal that's like impossible that you can really stretch for. But then you also hear realistic goals. And so here's how I like to balance that. So first of all, I work with my clients on two different types of goals. We create what are called outcome goals and behavior goals. Now, outcome goals are typically things that, first of all, we don't have any control over. So let me just leave it at that. We don't have control over it. So I want to lose 15 pounds. I want to run a marathon. I want to make a million dollars. I want to save a million dollars, whatever it is. So those are what we call outcome goals. And those I think should be really difficult and impossible. Going to the Bill Gates quote of most people underestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a day. So, and then that's where we create the realistic goals is on a, what I call behavior goal basis. So that is looking at your day and really being realistic with your time and understanding what is it that I can do today that will ultimately chip away at that big goal. Because most of us kind of know that if I want to run a marathon or lose 15 pounds or whatever it is, we kind of know what the things are that we should be doing in order to make it to that goal. And so if we can do that on a daily basis, pay attention to our behaviors that we do have control over, then ideally it will lead to the outcome goal that we don't have control over. Well said, and that's really true. I just want to share a very quickly experience I had where I ran my fastest marathon in a year that started in January. My training began with running five minutes out and five minutes back. I happened to be in San Francisco, so it was uphill and downhill at the time. But that led to my best year. It was uh, so the starting small the setting the goals, the focusing on the behaviors all makes sense and it and makes things that seemed daunting and impossible quite doable if you, as long right. as you're consistent with them. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, whenever we set new goals, particularly this time of year, we're really pumped and psyched and jazzed about them. And so motivation starts off really sky high, but it comes and goes. What have you learned about how people can keep going to your point over the longer haul? Yeah, good question. Because yeah, at this time of year, we're motivated, right? Now, whether that motivation is because we don't like how we look or because we're all motivated because we see something on the internet of, oh, she could do it. So therefore I can do it too. Whatever it is, the new year is always full of motivation. Now, here's the fatal flaw that I see most people have. And I'm even victim to this, which is, When we start out on a goal, we think that the seas are going to be smooth, that I'm going to get from where I am today to the goal, and I'm not going to have any problems. Now, and we also think that motivation is going to carry us to our goal. Motivation is a feeling. It's an emotion. And just like we have emotions of love and fear, and anxiety and sadness and depression, motivation is fleeting. Motivation is never 
there when you want motivation to be there. (laughs) That I can guarantee. The reason that we do or don't do anything, there's a Tony Robbins model called the motivational triad. And the reason that we do or don't do anything has to do with our emotions. Everything that we do, we do to avoid pain, seek pleasure, and do it as efficiently as possible. Okay, that's the motivational triad. And why this is important is because there are going to be days when you are going to have on your calendar, hopefully, you want to put on your calendar that you're going to exercise at seven o'clock in the morning if that's one of your goals. Every single day, I have two cups of coffee on the couch. I do my morning thing. I journal. I go through social media. I drink my coffee. I enjoy myself. After the second cup of coffee, I peel myself up off of the couch and I make myself go work out. I never want to do it because it's easier to sit on the couch drinking coffee than it is to exercise. My clients think that I'm an energizer bunny, that I'm like, oh, yay, let's go exercise. But I'm not. I mean, I enjoy exercise after I've done it, but I don't enjoy it while I'm doing it. And so there are a ton of different emotions that will get the job done other than motivation. There's focus, there's discipline, there's commitment, there's intent. And so the more that the listener can really tap into what are all of the other emotions that I can experience that will get the job done, the more you don't rely on motivation because you're not going to want to do it. But you've created the habit and you've created the sequence and that, mm-hmm. that goes a long way. And as you learn with exercise, once you get started, it's great. It's just the getting, set yourself up to get started, get going. That's 100% true. Like, and this goes for everyone else. The hardest part is getting yourself in the arena and starting. Once you're there, it's easy. I learned that in my marathon days and now in my walking outside days, I still run, but indoors on a machine. That here in the Northeast, on cold days, it's not that appealing. But if I have the right gear and I just get out there, once I get going, it's very comfortable. So getting going makes a lot of sense. So Elizabeth, what advice would you offer people listening who say, okay, I see it. I want to make this investment, but where do I start? How do I, what's one thing they could do to start investing in their health and fitness this year? Well, they probably already know. And I'm a huge fan of picking the low hanging fruit. Like, what is the easiest thing that you can do? Is it adding a serving of vegetables to your diet every single day? So first of all, I wouldn't recommend going to like the WHO and figuring out what are the best habits? Like, where should I be? So, okay, actually thinking about this a little bit more as I'm talking, the first thing that I suggest to my clients is that we start with tracking. What are you doing right now? So how many glasses of water are you drinking? How many servings of vegetables are you eating? How many treats are you taking in per day? How many minutes of motivation or movement are you doing? So really 
figure out those basic habits and then start slowly adding to it. Yeah. Great advice. Really appreciate that. And everyone listening will find a link to your website and resources there. And appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience on, on starting off the year healthy and keeping going throughout the year. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Great to talk with you. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's a new year and time for some new takeaways to consider adding to your list for the month of January and beyond. Here are three things I'm taking away from today's conversation with Elizabeth Sherman. Number one, make a smart investment in the new year, an investment in your health. And I think she makes a compelling case that we all know intellectually that investing in your health and wellness really pay dividends for you during your retirement. And it's best to start now. We don't know how long we'll live, but in addition to helping us perhaps increase our longevity, it'll also really improve, as she pointed out, the quality of our years and expand the range of things you'll be able to do. So make that important investment decision right now. Number two, what do you want to displace? I really love this suggestion and concept that she put in there in terms of what do you want to start doing? What new healthy behaviors do you want to add that will crowd out some of the less healthy ones? Limit the space for those. Make it harder and make it easier for these new things. Substitutions, changes, new things. What will you displace? Number three, what new habits do you want to build? This is a topic that I come back to time and time again in the podcast because it's really how we roll as human beings. Research has shown that 43% of what we do is habitual, meaning it's on autopilot. But the key is we can be intentional about this and use that tendency, our brain's desire to create shortcuts to conserve energy and design new healthy habits that we can take into the new year. So what are one or two or three habits that you want to design in 2024? Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. If you'd like to leave comments or suggestions, you can do so two ways. One being at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link where you can leave a voicemail. I know that sounds old school, but it's pretty easy and efficient way and get some great feedback that way. Or you can send me an email directly at joe, C, all lowercase, at retirementwisdom.com.